are in the middle of a series entitled Proclaiming the Good News. Our text has been Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 15. This is where, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he kind of left his marching orders with his disciples. And he says this to them. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now we've been talking about what does it mean to preach the good news, to share the good news with others. I've shared uh, how for many, 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 many decades now, so much emphasis has been on just telling people or how to argue or to debate with people or handing people a tract or, uh, you know, come to hear a certain speaker or, you know, whatever. And all that's fine and great in terms of, you know, getting information to people, but it's not argument that will change people's hearts. When you look at how they preach the gospel in the Bible, it has a very different feel than what a lot of people think preaching the gospel means today. And we want to get back to the standard of God's word. Now, we've been looking at the life ministry of Jesus and how he went around preaching the gospel. Uh, the Bible says he went out and told people, repent, turn, change from what you're doing. Why? God is here. And they didn't know what he meant. And then he started to pray for people and started doing miracles in the lives of people and doing very impressive things, but not always just dramatic miracles. Sometimes they were the simplest little thing about saying something to somebody that there's no way he could have known except but by supernatural means and how this began to impact people's lives. And by the thousands, the Bible said the multitudes, they came to Jesus. Well, it's easy for us to think, well, that was Jesus. He was the son of God. He could do all these cool things. But now we're just Christians and we're a bunch of nimrods and we don't know. We just come to church and smile. But no, there's more to life than that. Because when you look at what the Christians did after Jesus left, it was the same deal. Now everywhere they went, they started splashing God all over people. And that's what got people's attention. Either they would watch it indirectly or they would have it happen directly in their lives. But this is what turned people's attention. Now, let's take a look at uh, Acts, the second chapter. This is when uh, the Holy Spirit first comes. Now, all these guys are up praying uh, in the upper room. It says they're, they're kind of hanging out. Jesus has gone into heaven. They don't know what to do. Uh, they're still kind of nervous about stuff. They're just praying. And the Bible says all of a sudden this rushing sound comes. And the Spirit of God comes and falls on them while they're worshiping. And they all start to praise and worship God in different languages. They start speaking in tongues, languages they had never learned before. Now, they apparently were having quite the great time with it because they were making a lot of noise, which is very Pentecostal. We, like, <laughs> if you follow the Holy Spirit, we get loud. Woo! You know, so they're praising God, and all the people are going, What in the world is this going on? And uh, they were very confused. And uh, it says in chapter 2, verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? What is these guys praising and worshiping God? How come we're hearing them in all the different languages, all the different countries we come from? And what does this mean? And verse 13 said, Some, however, made fun of them. And he said, Ah, oh, they've had too much wine. They're all loaded. That's what it is. You know, they're, you know, they're obviously under the influence. Well, they were, but not of alcohol. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
Then it says, then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Let me tell you what this is all about. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Peter had obviously never been to Wisconsin. <laughs> I promise you those people are sobering up right now yet. He says, no, and he starts to explain to them this is a demonstration of the Spirit of God. And God is still here, and he's moving and touching people's lives. Now, all these guys were really blown away by what was going on. And what's significant here, this had nothing to do with them. God wasn't touching them. There was no really dramatic miracle in terms of someone being healed or some need being met. This is just kind of God showing off. You know, these people are just bubbling and they're speaking in tongues and just having a great time. And people are going, wow, check it out. There is something different about these people. And then Peter starts to explain to them what's going on. He starts preaching the gospel and instructing to uh, them. And uh, it says in verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message and were baptized, about 3,000 were added to, that, to their number that day. So 3,000 people. Men, not clowning their wives and children and everything, boom, came and got saved that day. So they instantly had this church of, you know, who knows, six, seven, eight thousand people, which is pretty cool. You know, your first sermon. <laughs> I would dig that. <laughs> Every time I preach, we got another couple of thousand people. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, so check it out. All of this wasn't happened just because of argument. It wasn't just because they went around and said, man, you need to get saved, or you're going to go to hell if you don't come to my church, or whatever the deal is, or going door to door and just being irritating to people. It was because they saw something that got their attention. God was at work. And I'm absolutely convinced, as we go out, if we're going to truly preach the gospel as part of this church, or any church, what's going to really get people's attention is not what you think so much. People don't really care so much about what you think. What they're interested in is God alive. Is God real? And you go out and you start causing situations where people start encountering this wonderful God that we have. That's what starts changing people's minds and attention. So we read about them uh, in, the, in verse 42. It says, now these people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The real key here is the second word. They devoted themselves they were intentional about their faith they really got into it all right they didn't just come to church you know on easter and christmas whether they needed it or not all right these were people who were really devoted to this they want they love this idea of experiencing god and i'll tell you this is cool when you start experiencing god and cause other people to start experiencing god this is a lot of fun this is great stuff man you can't make this stuff up it's fun to watch god do miracles in people's lives Next verse says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Why were there so many miraculous signs and stuff happening? Because they were devoted. They were into it. They were committed to this thing. And it started to change them. And they started to really get affected. And it's interesting, the very next thing says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So this is how it starts changing them. All these people are together, and now they start sharing everything. 
if you need something and I have it, I give it to you. Uh, whatever situation, maybe uh, there's something that you can have and somehow encourage my life. You bring that back to me. Everybody, there wasn't this thinking of, well, this is my stuff, and this is my family, and this is our group, and, you know, that, and all this separation nonsense. They were all together with one group, and they shared everything with each other as people had need. And, uh, and uh, you know, and I'm absolutely convinced. You've heard me say this many times, and I'll repeat it a gazillion more. But I'm absolutely convinced what touches people's lives is when you get a bunch of people together who don't necessarily agree on many, many things in life. We might disagree. I mean, there's all kinds of people that are here. If we got into politics, have, you know, we'd have all kinds of fights. Y'all be throwing stuff at each other, you know, or about this little doctrine or that little doctrine and what we think about this, you know. But, but what, what's, you know, fabulous is, is when we get together, and even though we may not all think and agree about everything, we worship God together. And we're a family. That's what brings glory to God. That's the thing that gets people's attention. I love this church because if you look around, there's all kinds of people. I've been watching you guys worship this morning, and you're singing, you're praising, and you're different colors, and you're different uh, uh, backgrounds. And, and, and I know some of you stand next to each other. If I got into a debate, I'd find out you can't stand each other about half a dozen different things. Okay? But it doesn't matter. Why? Because we're here to worship Him. And to be part of a family. And I think this is what gives God glory. Some of y'all dressed up. Some of you, you know, barely got dressed. You know? <laughs> some of you need to cover up. But anyway, uh, you know, we're glad you're here. You know, some of you, you know, are, are, are very conservative. Some of you got tattoos from head to toe. You know, I don't care. I, I'm impressed that you do that. I would think that hurts. I don't know. I told my wife, if I ever do get a tattoo, I want something right along here that says, in tiny words, if you're, you can read this, you're too close. But, uh, but that's, that's about the only tattoo I would ever want to have. But uh, <laughs> people picking at you, I'd be going, ah, 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 ah. Be crying like a six-year-old girl. But, uh, so, but anyway, this is cool. You want to be tattooed, knock yourself out. Pastor Mark on the side or something, you know, whatever. But, uh, but anyway, this is how these people got together. And they were all together and they were sharing everything. And then, then you really can tell they start really experiencing God because of the next verse. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. These are people who started fighting the very tendency all of us have is to gather and gather and hoard and hoard and keep and keep to ourselves and these people start becoming extremely generous. Extremely generous. I'll tell you what. You can really tell when, people, when God starts touching people's lives because they reflect it in their pocketbooks. It's just the reality of it. You say, well, I love God, but I don't give nothing. I would argue you don't really love God as much as you think you do. So are you saying if I love God, I'd give money? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. It's true. It's true. If you're really touched, you know, I know it's hard for some of you to give. You know, open up your wallet. It's like giving birth. <laughs> you finally pull out a dollar. You know, sheesh, lighten up a little bit. Don't be so tight-fisted. 
mine, mine, it's all mine, it's all mine. My precious, my precious. I love you, precious. Your money goes by in the bank. My precious, precious. Good grief. Don't be so tight-fisted. Are you being generous? God starts touching your heart. Man, he really starts touching your heart. It reflects in your generosity straight up. No question about it. And, uh, and let me encourage you while I'm speaking on generosity. You know, we're in August. I always hate this time of year because everybody's going on vacation. So, and I can see it with all the campus offerings. They're all starting to go down. And I'm sure there's all kinds of people who listen to us all across Wisconsin who go to different churches. Same thing, churches all across America during August, they're all going, because everybody, you know, just quits giving because they're on vacation. You know, don't be like that for crying out loud. Be faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. You know what it means to be faithful? Is you, you can always depend on me. You can always, I'm there all the time. Now, you don't have to always be here physically, but you're faithful in your giving and your support of God's kingdom. A lot of times people, the only time they give is when they come to church. But guys, the offering is not a cover charge for the band. <laughs> all right? It's like when you go to a Packer game, you pay all this money. But if you don't go, you're not, giving them, you're not mailing money into the Packers. Why? You just pay when you go. That's not church. Church, you should always be there and be consistent in your giving. You know, if you're not going to be around. And listen, I'm not one of these guys. You've never heard me. Beat, I beat up on you about all kinds of stuff. But you've never heard me beat up on you about not being here every Sunday or every Wednesday. And if you don't go to church every week, you're going to go to hell. You never hear me talk in those terms. I don't, if you need some time off, take some time off. You want to take some time with your family? Take some time. You want to go on vacation? Great. You want to go to Hawaii? Great. Take me with you. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll come with you. But be consistent in your giving. Man, I'm giving whether or not I'm here or not. I don't think, well, I wasn't that Sunday, so I, don't, I, don't, I didn't hear the band, so I don't have to send in a check. I mean, come on. Be consistent. You can go online. If you normally give 25 bucks, you're gone for a Sunday, come back, throw in 50 bucks then. Be consistent. I don't understand this mentality of I'm not here. And again, I'm not just talking about you. This is all churches, all just the offerings. Draw. And then everybody comes back in September, goes back to where it was. But now it takes us months to recover because of the summer. Because the bills don't change. Somebody say amen. amen. The bills don't change. It's not like the, the electric company goes, oh, well, they weren't there that Sunday. We'll cut your bill in half. They don't care. All right? Be consistent. Be consistent. Be faithful. And it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. These guys were really into it. They were always getting together every chance they had. Uh, they broke bread in their homes, ate together, glad, sincere hearts. They just hung out, man. They just loved it. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People kept coming to Christ. Why? Because of all this going on. This miraculous stuff. This is, this is miraculous. I mean, it says that, that, that there were miracles going on, but there's other kinds of miracles. The fact that people were sharing with each other is a miracle. The fact that people weren't being so tight-fisted and they'd say, you're really hurting? You need that thing? I got an extra one. Let me give it to you. That's a miracle. People getting together who don't always agree about everything. That is a miracle. People were seeing the hand of God. It wasn't about arguments. It wasn't about people coming and saying, well, Doctor, what do you think about evolution? Let me tell you why that's stupid. You know what I mean? It's, it's not about that kind of stuff. It's about proclaiming the good news. God is here. 
You can experience God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what they did, and people saw it everywhere. Now, I love this next story that it tells us, chapter 3 now. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about 3 in the afternoon. Now, a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So, they're carrying this guy. He's, every day they bring him, and they set him at the gate, and he begs. Now, every day he's been doing this his whole life. Now, Jesus had just been around many, many times for the last three years, going in and out of the temple, preaching, doing miracles. Who do you think walked past this guy many, many times? Jesus. He undoubtedly saw Jesus walking by many times, but Jesus never touched him. Jesus didn't do anything at that time for him. Why not? I don't know. Don't get freaked out because you don't get your answer right away. God bless somebody else. How could he even bless me? You know, just be cool. But it's all about timing, man. God will often wait and do the greatest thing in your life at the right time to bring the greatest glory to his kingdom, which means you got to be patient. Everybody say patience. You got to be patient. Don't be freaking out. You know, sometimes God lets things get absolutely the worst they can be so then you can have the biggest miracle. But this is not so much fun because that means things get worse. You know, so here's this guy. He's sitting there all this time. And for all we know, he probably thought, well, you know, no miracle for me. Other people got married, not for miracles. So here's a guy. All he's doing is begging. He's just minding his own business. He's not expecting anything from anybody. If anything, he's probably learned not to expect any miracles from God because even Jesus himself walked past him many times and nothing happened. So um, verse 3, when this guy saw Peter and John about to enter the temple... He asked them for money. He just wanted money. Show me the money. He wouldn't ask them for prayer. He wouldn't ask them, man, help me. He wouldn't say, gee, what do you think about evolution? He wouldn't think. He'd, all he wanted was money. Give me some money, please. Just give me some cash. All right? And Peter looked straight at him as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And this guy thought, excellent, score. The man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him, waiting for some money. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Rats, because that's all he wanted, right? That's all he was asking for. He said, I'm sorry, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Well, before this guy could even think about it, Peter reaches, grabs him by the right hand, and starts pulling him up. Whoa, 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 you're freaking me out here. I didn't ask for you to pray for me. I don't even believe in your church. I hear your pastor is always goofing around in the pulpit. I disapprove of all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Very inappropriate. I don't know. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I, I didn't ask for anything. And he grabs it. He says, pulling up. And all of a sudden, he can stand up. Oh, how cool that had to be. Now, check it out. Just his legs getting strong would have been enough of a miracle right there, right? I mean, if you've never walked and all of a sudden your legs are strong, wow. You know, now we go to rehab and we teach you how to walk. You know, remember, nobody just learns how to walk. Most of you, you know, you fell on your butt many, 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 many times before you ever learned how to walk, okay? But, but the miracle, not only does his legs and feet get strong, he jumps up to his feet and he begins to walk. <laughs> that had to be so cool. Then he went with them into the temple courts and he's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. Look, 
Look, I can walk. I can walk. He went to a loud church. I'll tell you what, when God starts really touching you, it's hard to stay quiet. Somebody say amen. amen. Y'all, church is so loud. Why are you so loud? Because God's here, and we're excited, and it's cool. You know, only in church, only in church do people disapprove of emotional outbursts. You know, you go to the green and gold cathedral down there, they encourage it. You know, whoa! These are the people who go to church and shh. That's inappropriate. Be quiet. I'm sure God is ticked off. Be quiet. Let's not get him mad or at us. But boy, get him in the right environment. Because something as exciting is happening. That's why. See, that's normal and healthy. If you have a strong stimulus and you have a strong response, you're normal. Right? Now, let's face it. If you're sitting in the bleachers and you're jumping up and down going, wow, wow, and it's Tuesday afternoon and nobody's on the field. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. You know what I'm talking about? Strong stimulus, strong response is normal. The reason we respond is because we have strong stimuli coming into our lives. God is here. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, this, this is cool. This is, everybody's freaking out. All these people are running around and these, uh, you know, doing all these miracles and this guy's jumping up and down and, Verse 11, it says, while the beggar was holding on to Peter and John, he was so excited, all the people were astonished and came running to them. When Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, why does this surprise you? <laughs> well, I don't know, because we don't teach stuff like this every day. You know? But he used this opportunity, and now because he has their attention, where God does a miracle for someone who didn't even ask for a miracle. So that's what I love about this story. Because oftentimes people say, you know, well, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be too pushy with my faith. That's good. You don't want to be obnoxious. You know, being obnoxious doesn't win people to Jesus. But you see somebody hurting, man, pray with them. Pray with them. There's so many, there's so many people right now around you who are hurting, especially during this time where, where people are concerned and afraid about losing their jobs and everything's going crazy. Man, look for opportunities to pray for people. Splash God on people. Even You know, a lot of people... Uh, not very many people come up to you ask for prayer. What a lot of people do is they come up whining. How many of you have heard anybody in the last week or two whining around you? Oh, look at that. All those prayer opportunities. All right? This is where you get the opportunity. Man, let me pray with you about that. Well, I didn't ask for that. I just wanted money. You know, I just wanted something to help me out. You know, I just like to whine and bellyache. When you hear people whine and bellyache and they're complaining and their lives are hurting and things stink in their lives, say, man, let me pray for you. By the way, very few people turn down offers for prayer. It's pretty rare. And, do, and pray, man. If you can, pray with them right on the spot. If not, pray for them later and then let them know the next day, hey, I was praying for you last night. Let them know. And watch what God does in their lives. 
things will turn around. So, well, they don't even believe in Jesus. This guy didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe in anything. He wasn't even asking for anything. Oftentimes, Jesus did miracles for people who weren't asking. As we read through the book of Acts, oftentimes some of these biggest miracles were people who didn't believe anything. So I'm not asking for anything. But they went out and they just This is how they changed their world. They were aggressive. Not by being obnoxious and let me tell you what's wrong with you. While I'm writing, you're going to hell. That doesn't win too many people over. Okay? What they did is they went around and loving people and splashing God on people and praying for people. That's what changed the world. Anyway, it's pretty cool. About another 2,000 people got saved that day. These guys were having some great days. Verse 32 in chapter 4. Again, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. There again, talking about how transformed their lives were. Where are we? Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That's where that guy got healed. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. They started growing exponentially. The Christianity spread like wildfire. And it's so funny because it's an absolute historical fact. And every once in a while, you know, I like listening to the you know, biography channels and history channels and stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. And they'll refer to, you know, this dramatic spread of Christianity. I mean, it just took off like crazy. Very few religions take off crazy like that. But the closest thing you can get to is Islam, but they went around killing everybody. And, you know, are you going to convert? No, they kill you. That can be effective. <laughs> but no one was killing anybody. You know, if anything, if you became a Christian, oftentimes it would cost you your very life. There was very little to win in terms of earthly stature by becoming a Christian. Yet it spread like crazy. How can a religion that was so looked down upon spread so quickly and change the world and ultimately conquer the very empire that tried to destroy it? You think it was because of philosophy? Do you think it was because they had such great arguments? Do you think because they went around handing out tracts to people and they made so much sense to everybody? No, it's wherever they went, God was being experienced. And this changed people's lives it got people's attention as a result it says verse 15 people brought the sick into the streets and laid them out on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits all of them were healed these guys just got a big yo mama crowd everywhere they went well verse 17 says when the high priests and all the associates who were members of the Sadducees saw this they were filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. <laughs> I love this next verse. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. So they're in jail. Angel shows up, says, all right, out of here. Go back there and preach some more. So they leave, and, and the guards didn't even know it. They're just standing there, and they're just, do you walking by? I mean, that would be wild. Can you imagine? Looking at the guards and going, <laughs> hello. And just walking out. I mean, so they go. So anyway, it says at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they've been told and began to teach people. So there they are preaching again. Well, the high priest and his associates arrived. They called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. You know, all the political leaders, all the pomp and circumstance. And 
All these power brokers get together. And then they sent for the jail to go get the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, well, we found the jail securely locked, which I think is funny. They closed the door and locked it on the way out. And the guards were standing at the doors. But when we opened it up, we found no one inside. I mean, how cool is that? How do you begin to explain that? They're just gone. Well, upon hearing this, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled. I'll bet. How do you do that? Then someone comes running in. Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching all the people. <laughs> that is so cool. I, I believe these guys were having a riot, just messing with people's heads. Anyway, they bring them in and they yell at them. Says, how dare you do this? You need to stop this. You need to stop this and make no mistake. There's two pictures here. When God starts showing up and doing great things, you've got some people that are drawn to it and other people who hate it. And you'll find this in your own life. As God starts doing miracles in your life and starts changing you, you'll see one of two things happen. Either some people will be drawn and say, wow, what happened to you? I want to be like that. And others who maybe you thought would love to hear what happened to you, all of a sudden they hate you for your faith. They hate you for your, you know, it just is what it is. And we see this here. By the thousands, Christianity is spreading like crazy. The power brokers, the other people, they can't stand it. They hate it. They warned them. Said, if you don't stop that, we're going to arrest all of you. Verse 29, I love this verse. Peter and the apostles replied, listen, we have to obey God rather than men. At the end of the day, we're going to follow God, and you cannot stop us. I'm going to invite the ushers at this time and all the different campuses to come. Get ready to serve communion. Musicians uh, can come back up on the platform as we get ready to close the service. We're about to have our time of communion. This is when we turn our attentions to what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Jesus was the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's why Jesus came to the earth. He didn't come just to teach us how to live. He didn't come because he was a great philosopher and all the different reasons people think. He came for one overwhelming reason, to be the Lamb of God, to be the one who takes the punishment for our sins. When he died on that cross, he made it possible for everybody and anybody to have new life. You can experience God right now if you will trust him and put your faith in Christ. Unlike any other religion in the world where you have to study and practice and meditate and do all these kind of things, hopefully you can eventually touch God. Christianity is the other way around. You start out touching God right off the bat, even though you may not understand lots of things about it. And then you learn after experiencing God. All of this starts with God being real. That's what this whole message is about. This is how we need to approach others, is they can experience God right now. God so loves you, he can transform your life. My question to you is, have you taken that step and put your faith in Christ? I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. We're going to pray a prayer together, and I'm going to encourage everybody to pray this prayer along with me. If you will believe this prayer from the bottom of your heart, you can take your first steps of faith today. You can start to experience God. Not just learn about him, not to hear about him, believe about him off in the distance. I'm talking about God in you right now. If you'll put your faith 
in Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.